This morning I want to talk about some controversial issues. There's four in particular I want to address and uh, I want to raise them with you at the beginning of the sermon and I want to do so by asking a few rhetorical questions. They're rhetorical, please don't answer. Uh, it's not a chance to share your opinion on the controversial issues. But I want us to think together about some controversial things. First, there is a segment of land in the Middle East. Sometimes it's called Palestine, sometimes it's called the West Bank. Question is, who should rightfully be living in that land right now? Jews or Palestinians? It's a controversial issue. Number two, on a completely different subject. When we think about creation and God's work in creation, should we as Christians believe that God created the world out of nothing in seven literal 24-hour days some 10,000 years or so ago, or should we believe that God created the world out of nothing, but took a longer period of time to do so. Third issue. This morning, we are celebrating Advent. We sang some Advent songs, we read some scriptures associated with thinking about Jesus' coming. We lit a candle that represented uh, Advent. Many of us grew up in churches which never celebrated Advent. Others of us grew up in churches in which this was a regular part of what we did every year. Which is the right way to approach the Christmas season? Fourth issue. When we gather together here at Calvary Church for worship on a Sunday morning, some of us are more comfortable with very expressive forms of worship, whether that's standing or shouting out during a sermon or singing or participating spontaneously as the spirit moves. Others are more comfortable with reserved forms of expression and worship. What's the proper way to come and worship God here? Now there's one idea that actually ties those four controversial thoughts together. And we want to think together about that one idea which will make sense of these four issues. So if you have your Bible, would you turn to the book of Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, it's page 828 in the Bibles the church provides. Ephesians chapter four, what we're going to do is investigate this one idea that we need to understand and then come back and talk about those four controversial issues uh, a little more near the end of the sermon. While you're turning, let me say that this morning we're beginning a new phase in our study of the book of Ephesians. The first sort of mini-series, if you will, that we went through was a review of basic Christian beliefs. We did that because that's what Paul was doing. In chapters one to three, he was marching us through the basics of the Christian faith. We talked together about God. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Satan, sin, salvation, the church, the scriptures, the gospel. These are the foundational truths of the faith. 
Paul went through those with us, but now in chapter four, he's transitioning onto something else, and we will be too. And instead of covering basic Christian teachings, we will now be looking at some implications that are drawn from those basic Christian teachings. And we begin in Ephesians chapter four with one implication that will help us think through these controversial issues. Listen as I read verses one to six. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul is making a transition here in chapter four. In the first three chapters, he's been reviewing for us basic beliefs that we need to understand and adhere to. But notice as he begins chapter four, verse number one, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then. He's marking the fact that we're moving on to a new section. And what we're doing is looking at implications from the teachings he just gave us. That's what verses four to six are about. He says there's one body. He's referring to the teaching about the church. We looked at that together. Paul's taught us about the body of Christ, which is the church. He says there's one spirit. Paul talked to us about the Holy Spirit. We've taught through that. Just as you were called to one hope. This is a reference to the gospel message. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Paul reviewed for us the importance of the gospel. One Lord. This refers to Jesus. We and Paul went through teaching on who Jesus is. One faith. This is the one response to one Lord, and that is to believe in him by faith. And when we do so, Paul says, we receive grace that saves us from our sins. He's talked about that. He's now reminding us of that. One baptism. This refers to union with Christ, which we covered as well. One God and Father, and that was the very first teaching we did when we came to the book of Ephesians in our series, was we started with, who is God? So Paul's saying, look, if you go back and think through all the teachings that we've been through at Calvary Church in the past eight weeks, there is an important implication that we should draw from those, and he gets us to that implication by basically asking a few questions. Namely, he says, when you went through that teaching at Calvary Church, how many Holy Spirits did you learn about? How many? One. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe I preached the wrong thing that week. No, just one Holy Spirit, only one Holy Spirit. How many gospel messages are there? Just one. How many proper ways are there to respond to the gospel message that God finds valuable? One, only by faith. How many Lord Jesuses are there? One. How many gods are there? 
one. Paul says, did you notice when you went through those teachings, one faith, one Lord, one spirit, one God, and his point is there's an implication that should be drawn from that. And that is we should be unified. We should be united. We are one body, one spirit, one gospel, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And in reality, to think through those four controversial issues that I raised at the beginning of the sermon, the thing we have to understand is the idea of unity. And so this morning, I'd like to spend some time thinking about unity so that we can go back and apply that to those issues. In order to do this, I want to reenact an illustration that we did maybe four or five weeks ago. You may have remembered at the time, I just asked if 20 or 30 of you would spontaneously come up here on the platform and that you didn't have to do any, uh, anything other than just sort of be here and follow directions. I want to reenact that this morning. So if I can, if there's another 20 or 30 of you that are willing, or the same 20 or 30, just to come on up here uh, on the platform, like I said last time, we're not gonna embarrass you. Uh, we just need some people to come up here uh, and participate with us so we can demonstrate what the church looks like. Come on. Michael, thank you, come on. Okay, now, to be fair, I did ask. Uh, Midge Olson was our person who represented Jesus last time, and so I asked her if she would reprise her role. So she was asked to come up here. Midge, come on up here. If I could get everybody over to that side. Everybody over to that side. And Midge, I need you right here. And then everybody sort of uh, behind her, sort of fanning out that direction. You need to be over here too this time, Wally. Okay, Midge, right in the front. So if you remember, come on up, we got room. Okay, right here. I need you right here, Midge. Now remember, she represents the person of Jesus, and we represented union with Christ by asking everybody who was up here to lay their hand on Midge, and if you can't, obviously get right next to her, just lay their hand on the person in front of you. So go ahead and do that. Lay your hand, everybody needs to be connected here. So come on in, lay your hand right here, good, great, come on. So now, this is the illustration we used a few weeks ago. They're up here because they responded to one call that I gave, one invitation, and they came in one faith that I wasn't going to embarrass them, and they're connected to one person who represents Jesus, and therefore they are now one body. Okay, that's Paul's point. That's what we talked about when we talked about the church. Now, I'd like to take this illustration a little bit further and in just a minute, I'm going to ask that this group simply walk together across the platform. So don't break the connections that you have. Uh, just walk together across the platform. I'll do it in a minute. Now, the reason why I want them to do this is because in verse number one, it says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Now, literally in Greek, it says, walk worthy of the calling. So to illustrate what Paul's talking about with unity, I want this group to simply walk together. So Midge, go ahead. You can just sort of lead them. This Paul. is dumb. I have no idea what we're doing. I have more important things to do. I agree. Can't we hurry this up? Okay, stop. Stop. All right. There's a couple of you who don't want to do this. That's all right. If, if you just come out, you don't you need to root for everybody else. Just come on out. Just stand over here. That's fine. That's fine. Just fill in for them. 
Well, you can be part of this. We'll just we'll have you be part of it. That's fine. All right, just try again. Just keep going. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that hurt. You hurt me. You stepped on I'm my. Sorry, foot. I didn't even want to do this anyway. Okay, stop. Where you're going. Stop. 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 All right. So we've had some sort of. Okay, if you two just go over there as well. This this isn't working as well as I thought. So, how about we just have you go back to your seats? Thank you for being up here. This this was helpful. Uh, I'm sorry that we didn't get it. Uh, just right. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. It's all right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. To be fair, everybody else was up here uh, spontaneously. I did have four people that I planted in the group. You can tell that because they're all wearing lapel mics. <laughs> now I asked them to stay up here because each one of them represents one thing that Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4 that breaks unity. Okay, so look with me. Now, if you remember, Aaron here. Uh, now, I asked them to do what they did. They're very nice people. They wouldn't normally destroy an illustration uh, on their own. Aaron, what was it that I asked you to do in the group? This is dumb, and then I've got more important things to do. Okay, so the sort of attitude of, look, why am I up here? This, is, this doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't do it this way. This corresponds to what Paul is saying in, chapter, in verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. And what those two words mean is they give the idea, if we're going to be unified as individuals, we can't be arrogant and overly filled with our own sense of self-importance. The same words are used in Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Can I have Titus 3, 1 and 2? When Paul says, look, remind people to be subject to rulers and authorities. There's times in which we're in leadership positions, and there's times in which we're following, and if you're going to be following in a group, what's absolutely important is to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true, here's the word, humility toward all men. That if we come to whatever it is we're being asked to do as a group with arrogance and overly concerned about our own sense of self-importance, it's impossible to remain united with other people. So Aaron represents being humble and gentle. Allison, what was it that I asked you to do? Uh, to complain about how long it was taking. Okay, Allison was to be complaining about how long it was taking. That's the second point Paul makes. Not only is it necessary to be humble and gentle if we're going to have unity, we have to be patient. I mean, surely you can tell it was going to take longer for this entire group to move across the platform than for any one individual. The point is, is that if we're going to walk somewhere together, it will take longer to get there. And if we refuse to be patient, if we insist that church move at the speed that we could move at individually, well, there can't be unity. Number three, Mary, what was it that uh, happened to you or that I asked for you to say? He hurt me because he stepped on my foot and I complained. Okay, so Mary was injured. Now, no real injuries took place, uh, except actually during practice. Um, she represents the third part of verse number two, Bearing with one another in love. The word for bearing with means to put up with something that happens to you, even if it's harmful 
or annoying. The idea is that if we're going to move together as a group, some toes are going to get stepped on. When that happens, you got a choice. You can either in love accept the fact that these things will happen, even though it might be harmful, even though it might be annoying. Or you can say, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. I've been injured here. I'm out. That will destroy unity. And then finally, Todd, what was it that I gave to you? What did you represent that here? I complained that I just didn't want to do it. Okay. So he was the one who stepped on her foot. And the idea was is that what Paul says in verse number three, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Maybe we're the one who gets our toes stepped on. Maybe we're the one who's embarrassed because we stepped on somebody else's toe. Whatever it might be, it takes work to stay united. That yes, we have one group up here, but it's very easy to see how that would fracture if people didn't work at it. And so Todd represents the fourth thing, Paul says, which is, look, you got to work at this thing, okay? Thank you all for being willing to be up here and to be part of this. You can go back to your seats. Great job. They're all very nice people, non-complainers. Uh, now, that's what Paul means when he talks about unity. Let's now take that very important teaching and apply it again to these four controversial issues that I raised at the beginning of the sermon. Namely, the promised land, the land over in uh, Palestine and Israel, the mechanics of creation, how long ago did God create the world, Advent, and expressiveness in worship. Now the first thing to notice is that none of those four controversial subjects has been mentioned thus far in the book of Ephesians. That's because they don't function at the level of absolute truth. You know, Pastor Ed Dobson used to have a very helpful classification that I learned here at this church of absolutes, convictions, and preferences. The issues about the land in Israel, the issues about creation, the issues about Advent or about expressiveness in worship, these are convictions or preferences, but they're not absolute truth. You say, how do you know that? Because Paul didn't bother to mention them in Ephesians chapter one to three when he says, let's go over the basics again. He does talk about Jews and Gentiles, but he doesn't happen to mention who gets the land. That's just not part of the absoluteness of the Jew and Gentile discussion that he's having. He mentions that God is creator, but he does not mention how many years ago God did his creating act. It's just not part of the absolutes. He mentions Jesus' return and his first coming, but he doesn't tell us how best to celebrate that or anticipate it. He talks about worship, but he doesn't give us instructions about how to be expressive or non-expressive in worship. What that means is, is that these four issues, as important as they are, don't function at the level of absolute truth. Therefore, the principle of unity is the principle that should be the overriding principle as we think about these four things. So, what does Paul say about unity? He says, first, we need to be completely humble and gentle. We need to not be arrogant or overly taken with our own self-importance. See, take the issue of the land in Palestine. That's a complex issue. Who should have that land right now? 
See, on one hand, I believe that the Bible teaches that that section of land has been promised to Abraham's physical descendants. Jewish people have been promised that land by God. But we have to hold that truth with another truth that Jesus himself tells us is that Israel was kicked out of that land because 2,000 years ago they rejected Jesus as Messiah. That issue of who should be in that land right now is now a very complex issue. Now that's not even to mention all the political and all the other stuff going on. Just simply theologically, it's tough. We need humility and gentleness. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have strong convictions. It just means we got to recognize this is a hard issue. Thinking about how the account of creation fits with science and how Genesis 1 to 2 are supposed to be read and what exactly God's trying to communicate, that's a complex issue. It doesn't mean we shouldn't think through it, but we should approach it with humility and gentleness and recognize that there are other Christians who are searching the same scriptures we're searching who may come to different opinions than we do. If we think ours is the only opinion, there can't be unity. Advent, on one hand, this is a great way to help people conceptualize and think about the coming of Christ, to have people not consumed with Christmas and consumerism, but to think what's most important is Christ's first coming and his second coming. But on the other hand, there's a real danger of empty ritualism and simply going through celebrations and seasons. It's a complex issue. Expressiveness in worship. For some people, we read the scriptures and it says, do not stifle the spirit. Be spontaneous, engage in what's going on. This is not a spectator sport. It's a dialogue, it's a process, and some people read that and are willing to be expressive in worship. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. There we go, yeah. On the other hand, there are scriptures that say, do everything in order, don't be a distraction to people. And so we hold these in tension, and so it's a complex issue. And it's only the very arrogant and the very self-absorbed who think their position is the only conceivable position on any one of those subjects. Paul says you gotta be humble. You gotta be gentle in dealing with these things. We're not talking about the gospel. We're not talking about the Trinity. We're not talking about Jesus. We're not talking about the fundamental truths that we cover. We're talking about these more controversial issues that function at the level of conviction or preference. Paul says you've got to be humble and gentle. He also says, number two, we have to be patient. You see, coming to a position about who should be in the land, trying to understand creation and science and all of that kind of stuff, thinking through traditions and how best to raise kids or help people in the church to think about Jesus, thinking about how worship should take place in a big environment like this with diverse people, it takes time. And God is working on each person differently. And God is taking each one of us through the process and he says, look, you gotta be patient. Paul demonstrates this in Philippians chapter three, verse 15. Speaking not of a fundamental of the faith, he's speaking about the concept of spiritual growth. He says, all of us who are mature should take a view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. 
He's just like, well, let's wait. God is the ultimate teacher. And even for an apostle to say, look, I don't, I just have to wait. I have to wait for God to bring you along. And in a room this big with this many people, we're all at different places on our journey. And you're going to be somewhere different five years from now, and I'm going to be. And we're moving together. And God may teach you something you don't know today, and God may teach me something I don't know today. And Paul says, unless we're patient with one another and really patient with God, we can't have unity. Number three, he says we have to bear with one another. That even if something annoying or harmful happens, to bear with one another in love. For example, when we think about the issue of expressiveness in worship, Andy, Dan, Mark, myself, others always often ask you to stand when it's time to sing. Now we do that because uh, that allows there to be sort of more energy and more engagement. We read scriptures that talk about people standing in the presence of the Lord and those sorts of things. But you know, one of the negative consequences to you standing when we ask is that there are people around you who are not physically able to stand or not able to stand for as long. One of the problems is, is that when we all stand, they're not able to see the screen and read the words for the songs that we're singing. And then, in many ways, then we're inhibiting people from worshiping. Yet, those people, of whom there are some here, have been very, they have borne with us in love. Even though we've been hindering their worship, they've been kind. They've put up with something that's annoying, even potentially harmful. That's why we have unity. But having said that, this morning, at the Information Center and from this morning on, we worked out a deal under our copyright agreement to have uh, a limited number of pages of lyrics printed out so that anybody who's coming to service and is unable or uh, uh, unable to stand during worship will have words in front of them, to not be able, not have to see the screen, to still participate in worship. And I do want to apologize that it took us so long to get that fixed. But thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for bearing with us, even in something annoying or harmful. Because of your attitude, we're able to have unity at the church. That's what Paul's talking about. And then finally, and perhaps most importantly, Paul says, work at unity. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You see, it takes work to sit down and, and understand what somebody who's coming at the issue of the promised land from a different point of view than you are. It takes work to hear what they're saying. It's hard if you've never done Advent to try to figure out how do I participate? How do I do this? Is there a way to be part of this? It's hard if you're used to expressiveness in worship to come and sit by people who are more reserved. It's hard if you're more reserved to sit by people who are more expressive. It takes work. It's difficult to do these things. Paul says, but we've got to work at it. You know, the phrase that perhaps stuck with me most as I thought about this passage this week was when he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit 
through the bond of peace. Notice he doesn't say, work really hard to create unity. What he says is, there is peace. We are at peace with one another because the Spirit has created peace. Now the question that remains for you and I is do we want to break the peace that he is creating? Do we want to try to destroy the work that he's doing? Now on issues like the gospel, or like Christ, or like the Trinity, or faith alone, those are issues worth fighting over. But these other issues, as important as they may be, are they really worth destroying the work of the Spirit? Paul says no, they're not. Make every effort, try again. If on one of these issues it's a thorn sticking in your side, try again. Try to bear with one another in love. Try to be patient, try to be humble. Make every possible effort to keep the unity that the Spirit is creating because there is one body, one spirit, one hope to which you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And all of this is under the sovereignty of one God who is above all and through all and in all. We are united because God is one.